Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls. We're back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because our go-to scripture for today and for the rest of our lives should be Galatians 2.20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live because Christ lives in me. This life I live in the body, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. And that is what we shall always keep at the forefront of our minds. So, before we get started, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you sent to this earth to die for our sins, Father, we love you and we want you. And Father, with today's prayer, I would like to recite what you have put into my heart and into my understanding what the gospel is. Not that fake phony gospel that you know that I was sitting up under for so many years. And Father, I am so grateful that you have opened up my eyes to see the corruption in the local church for what it was. So, Father, you have sent the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven to this sin-sick, dark, violating of a world to die for the sins of many, Jesus willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice to appease your wrath, Father. We sinned continuously against you. Jesus took the punishment that was rightly due to us because we racked up and stacked up your wrath against us because we didn't know how to stop sinning. Father, Jesus shed blood. It was sprinkled on the mercy seat of God in heaven. And through his blood sacrifice, Jesus made atonement for our sins, reconciling us back to you. And through his shed blood, we can now have forgiveness of our sins. Father, according to your word, we see that Christ Jesus died on the cross and then he was buried. And then after three days, by the power of your Holy Spirit, he was resurrected from the grave. Hallelujah. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, 
Jesus has set us free from the control and power sin had over our lives. He defeated death by his resurrection. Amen. And we and we believe this gospel, Father. We repent of our sins. We forsake them. We will never go back to the vomit. And Father, we thank you for forgiving us. In the name of Jesus, Father, we, we have a changed mind where sin is concerned. Because you hate sin and you are holy and you are just and you are righteous. And therefore, we put the sin away and we do a 180 degree turn back to you because you said in Hebrews 9.22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so, Father, we respond we respond to Jesus' finished work at the cross with a resounding yes and with total acceptance. We receive him as our Lord and Savior. And Father, I can't thank you enough for reconciling me back to you because now I have eternal life through Christ Jesus. And Father, with today's lesson, I pray that it brings you glory. And Father, I ask for wisdom and discernment to understand your word so that I can tell it to someone else. And may it change my life like it is already doing. And may the Holy Spirit move on me so that I can understand this word and open myself up to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there we go. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I got a question for you all today. Is there a such thing as a carnal Christian. We in the body of Christ have heard that term to mean that a person is saved, but they still slip and slide back into sin, that this person is really saved, but God is still working on them, quote-unquote, and that how Jesus knows their hearts because, after all, we all are not perfect. That we sin from time to time, but we said that sinner's prayer. So, therefore, I'm saved. Listen, Jesus knows my heart and he knows that I'm trying. All the while, behind closed doors, I'm really not, but that's not for the pastor to know about. I go to church every week. I paid my tithes. Listen, I even study the Bible from time to time. Of course I'm a Christian. Listen, don't worry about this weed over here that I'm smoking. Don't worry about my old man who's still living with me, but for the fact that we ain't married yet. Listen, he gave me a ring, right? Listen, I'm just one of those carnal Christians because I can't be all holier than thou, right, Sister Cynthia? Because we all can't be perfect. Listen, absolutely not. Look, hold on. Hold on a second. I just had to wet my whistle behind all of that foolishness. Listen, the bottom line, before we even get into today's lesson, the bottom line is this. 
Either you are saved or you are not. Either you are a saint or you ain't. And that's the bottom line. Look, listen. This is, thank you, Holy Spirit, right off the top, he's already talking, okay? In this kingdom, it is called the kingdom of God. Now, you want to keep playing with the devil, okay? Well, he got a whole kingdom over there called the kingdom of darkness. Because over here in this kingdom, our Christ died for us. He laid down his life as a willing lamb to be slaughtered. And that's what he was. He was slaughtered. He suffered up there on that cross and getting to the cross. Listen, the problem with the quote unquote carnal Christian, apparently they have not heard the real gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because if they have heard that real horrific story, the one that Isaiah 52 paints, oh, the last thing you're going to want to do is to be in some sin. My hand is raised. Amen. And so the carnal Christian, what is this person? Listen, have you ever heard of a wet, dry towel? Hmm? Have you ever heard of a wet, dry towel? Exactly. Because it don't exist. Either you are wet or you are dry. You can't be both. Listen, you cannot have one foot in the kingdom of darkness because you still like your sin. You still like smoking your weed and you're wa and watching your porn and your masturbation and hanging out at the nightclub, cussing, fussing, doing everything but be a child of God. And then have one foot in the kingdom of God talking about how you're going to heaven. No, that's not how it works because if that was the case, then Jesus died for nothing. Do I need to spend another hour explaining the horrific beating that our Lord took at the hands of the barbaric and ruthless Roman soldiers? How they whipped him with a cat of nine tails, ripping the flesh off his body, beat our Lord so much and so severely to the point of death that he didn't even have enough strength to carry his own cross up that hill to Calvary. So let me not get started about that. Okay, so look, like I said, you can't be in both kingdoms at the same time because you know why? Because you're not going to be happy. You're not going to have any fulfillment. Trust me, I tried it. And it don't work. Okay. I don't care how many Jesus scriptures you have memorized. I don't even care about the twinkle in your eye that you get when you think about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven as this glorious bride. Listen, if you still up over there in sin, you ain't going to see that. Glory be to God, just like I almost missed it, thinking I'm a Christian, and all the while, I'm in sin. You cannot have it both ways. Now, let us, let us just be clear, okay? Because the Bible tells us that <clears throat> the fact that we are still in this flesh body, okay, that old man, oh, he is going to be at war with that regenerated spirit of yours, okay? And not that we won't ever sin again, which is the primary goal, okay? However, I'm talking about, I'm not, okay, I'm not talking about missing the mark, 
right? Because the fact that we in this flesh body, sometimes we may give into a temptation or maybe we still don't have a full reign on this tongue or maybe when that good looking brother walked by, you had a little fantasy going on, but then we quickly repent, get right back on the right track and feel horrible that we missed the mark. No, I'm talking about the so-called Christian who is in willful practicing sin that is not repenting, who feel as though, okay, yeah, you know what? I shouldn't be doing that, but then you're still doing that. So look, 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 look. Like I said, getting back to this false theology called carnal Christian, um, <laughs> called carnal Christianity. There's a lot of C's going on there. So look, likewise, there is no such thing in Christian theology as the carnal Christian. There's not. I know it is shocking. It shocked me. Listen, we all thought that that was such a person, right? While we were backsliding in and out, up and down and all around in our sin, we just thought that, you know, I'm not a babe in Christ and I'm not a mature Christian. I'm just carnal. And we would just laugh that off like, oh, okay, you know, she's trying. No, absolutely not. Like I said, either you are a child of God or you are not. Either you are a saint or you are not. And I don't care what the lukewarm Christian got to say, because if you let them tell it, you can be both, really, that you can actually be a child of God, of the living, holy, one true God, and still be in willful and practicing sin. And just because you said some unbiblical and unscriptural sinner's prayer, and that your elderly pastor told you that your salvation is eternally secured. Where did they get this from? They got it from some wolf in sheep's clothing that who came up with the theology of a, of a thing called carnal Christianity. And that you can be a card-carrying Christian and still justify your sins by saying that Jesus is still working on me and that how Jesus knows my heart. Well, look, we ain't buying it, okay? And by we, we who have glory be to God in all humbleness got the memo when Jesus told us to go and sin no more. Just like when he told the woman who was caught in adultery that he wasn't condemning her, but that he told her to go and sin no more. Listen, Jesus knew that she will face temptation again because in that command that he gave her, like he's like it is for us today. It had built in grace and forgiveness in that command with the expectation and implication that she would go and sin no more when faced with another temptation. Listen, we cannot buy into the lie that, oh, ain't nobody perfect. Uh, that it is impossible to stop sinning. L listen, anything is doable, right? Once you commit to something, you're not going to do it. Just like, just look at your life. 
as many times that you have committed either to do something or not to do it and you stuck with it, right? Nothing or anyone could have told you to either stop it or pick it up again or whatever the case may be. Once your mindset was firm that that was the end to whatever that thing is, then it was the end to it. You have to take that same mindset over here to the kingdom of God that when Jesus said to go and sin no more, that's a commandment. That is not an option if you can, but if you can't, uh, don't worry about it. You all are getting ahead of it anyway. Meanwhile, we over here who understands and appreciate the gospel, our heart, our love for our master compels us not to do it. I can't tell you how many scriptures that Jesus says that if you love me, then obey what I tell you. It is not that he's just this ruthless dictator who who is so selfish and wanting you to do this to pump up his ego, to make him look like he can just tell anybody what to do and we'll do it. No, it is out of love. He loved us. Listen, hell was not created for man. Jesus created hell for Satan and his demons. But if you want to follow the way of Satan, well, guess what? The Bible tells us that hell is enlarging herself daily to accommodate those who don't want to get on board with the gospel. Amen. And so look, we can't, we cannot buy into the concept of we can still keep some sin and then come to God and prayer with unclean hands. You are going to feel horrible. I keep telling y'all I tried it and it don't work. If nothing else, take it from the experience of someone who thought, listen, three years ago, two years ago, I thought I was clearly on my way to heaven. Yeah, I thought I was clearly on my way to heaven, but... There was no real understanding of repentance. I mean, I knew what repent was because we see the person on the street corner saying repent. I knew that it has something to do with, okay, well, you got to stop sinning and you got to ask God for forgiveness and you got to live right and holy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that it was a lifestyle that if you don't repent, there cannot be any true forgiveness because I'm still in sin. And that's the whole point. We must come out of sin. We got to, we got to crucify this flesh so much that I can talk about outside of today's lesson. Like our minds, our minds got to be right. We can't digest the garbage all day long and expect not for it to show up in your life. Listen, like the Bible says, bad company corrupts good morals, right? Holy Spirit, you right, because company doesn't, uh, doesn't necessarily mean a person. It can mean the company of music that you listen to, the company of TV shows that you watch. It could be the company of books and magazines and articles and websites that you read on a daily basis. If you digest that and ingest that constantly, if that is your diet, well then what do you think is going to come out of you? Because Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 
tells us about the heart. It says that the heart is wicked and it is desperately sick. Who could know it? Who could understand why a person is so dark and so negative and so bitter and so angry and so mean and so overly sexual, just, I mean, just draped in sexual immorality. How did a person get like that? It got in through the eye gate, through the ear gate, and what you say that's coming out of that mouth. And so that will shape the person's spirit of who they really are. Now, on the other hand, if all you are doing all day long is ingesting and digesting the word of God, you're not focused on the reality TV shows and the satanic groovy music that's that's only talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, okay? Talking about how this person left you, all of these love songs that will make you depressed, all of those sexual songs that will heighten your members to all matters of, let's just say all matters, okay? And if you take in all the goodness of what God has to offer, well, of course, your life will look completely different. So we can also talk about sowing and reaping. In the book of Galatians, it, it tells us that we will reap what we sow, that if we sow to this stinking flesh, from the flesh, we will reap destruction. But if we walk by the Spirit, well, then we will reap eternal life. And so that is where the distinction comes into play. And we cannot be playing with God like this, talking about how, oh, I'm a carnal Christian because thank you, Holy Spirit, you are right. That's just a cold word for, well, I'm still a sinner, but I got this fake facade of being a Christian because that sounds better than saying I'm a sinner. But your life has not changed, not one bit. Only slight difference is that you got a Bible in your house now. And maybe on any given Sunday that you may go on down to your local church. But to repent means that you change your mind about sin. About sin and how God sees it. And what Jesus did for us not to be up under the mastery of it anymore. Listen, Jesus was sinless and perfect. He was the only one that could have died for our sins. Listen, that weed man did not die for your sins. Your lover that you meet at the noontime hour did not die for your sins. The clothing manufacturers who make all the sexy clothing because you don't know how to cover up that body, ladies, okay? They did not die for your sins. Jesus died for our sins. Listen, we can't be playing with this relationship. Either you are in or you are out. And that's the boldness. We got to come to the body of Christ. Listen, God says that he ain't playing. Jesus told me to tell the people that he is coming and he is coming soon and that his reward is with him and that he will give to everyone their due. That means that that reward that he's talking about, either you're going to live for righteousness and meet him at the Bema seat of Christ where we get our rewards for what we've done in the body as a Christian, 
or you're going to meet him at the great white throne judgment where you will have to account for your sins because you didn't believe that Jesus died for your sins and you didn't stop it. Okay, that you kept on in your sins. And so you will have the answers for your sins as you hear that your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life and you will be thrown into the lake of fire. So look, we can't be skirting around this issue thinking that it is funny that you don't have to get your life in order. Oh, yes, you do. Because look, listen, he's coming back. Look at the world today. We can see that we are closer, more closer now than ever for our Lord to crack open up that sky and make his appearance once again. And let me assure you, he is not coming as the babe in the man in the manger. Oh, absolutely not. He is coming with great power, the Lion of Judah, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he ain't playing with his enemies. Amen. So now look. <laughs> Y'all do this to me every single time, and I love it. Look, listen, where was I in my notes here? Okay, look, right, right, right. We were saying that how we in the body of Christ who, okay, got the memo that we need to go and sin no more, we ain't buying it, Miss Missy, talking about, well, I'm a carnal Christian. I can't be all sanctified like you are. Well, then uh, I, I seriously think and pray that you need to revisit your salvation with the Lord because nah, it, it's not it's not sounding like it. Uh, listen, like I said, the implication and expectation when Jesus told the women, the woman who was caught caught in adultery to go and sin no more. Okay. It is for us to stop sinning and not give in when faced with temptations. In other words, do not go back to your vomit. Look, we are going to look at today. We're going to look at Hebrews 10, 26. Okay. And Look at the meaning of no sacrifice for sins is left because I said all of that to bring us over here to Hebrews 10. Okay. Because it says, if we deliberately, okay, deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. It's not because look, even, even if we take it to verse 27, right? It says there is only, okay, the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Verse 28, for anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy, okay, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted, because if you do it, that was bad, right? And have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Verse 30, for we know the one who said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is, verse 31, okay? 
It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. And so if we look at, well, what does it mean when God said that no sacrifice for sins is left? The author of Hebrews says that the Israelites perished in the desert when after receiving the law of Moses, they disobeyed it. The Israelites made perpetual sacrifices and the Day of Atonement came every year. But we Christians have had one ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, and have received the Holy Spirit. Amen. So to go on sinning, okay, is to trample the Son of God underfoot. And we just saw that in verse 29 of Hebrews 10. Listen, there is no one who does not sin, right? But there should be a marked difference in the deliberateness of sin when one has received the free gift of life in Christ. Amen. Because you see, sin will be less frequent and there will be genuine sorrow and repentance when it happens. There is a new nature in an old flesh. Okay. They will be at war, but the true believer, not this fake title of a carnal Christian, okay, but that the true believer will see more and more that his or her new, um, that, that his or her new nature is winning the battle. If not, there may be reason to believe that the salvation professed is not genuine. And that is why I was saying before, because part of the means or the methods of the grace of God for our perseverance is these stern warnings that we find in scripture, which are meant to remind our new natures to fight the flesh and mortify sin in the body. When Jesus returns or when we die, this battle will finally be over. Why? Because we, like the Bible says, that we shall be like how he is when he resurrected in his glorified body. Then we shall get our glorified bodies too. And finally, finally, we will put an end to this flesh. And all of this temptations and wanting to sin because see, then our glorification process will have been uh, manifested. Our sanctification process will now have ended because the whole time that we have, when we came to Christ, from that point forward, the journey to our glorification of our bodies has been ongoing. That whole journey with the Holy Spirit, walking by faith, putting the sin away, living a life that's keeping in repentance, producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives continually, continually until our appointed time with death comes. Or if Jesus come back before then, this body will finally be in total line with our regenerated spirit because once we get saved, that's the only part of us that has been truly uh, glorified because man is a tripart being. We have a will, we live in a physical body, and we are a spirit. So when we get saved, the only, the only part of that tripart that gets completely regenerated is our spirits because the Holy Spirit lives in us now. 
And so that whole time, our minds are being renewed, right? We are at war constantly because we see in the book of Romans, what is it? Like chapter seven, how Paul was, was going on about the sin that's in him. Like it is in us because of this fallen nature that we inherited from Adam. That we inherited from Adam. Hey, sweetie. I just had to give my son a kiss. He just came in here and scared me, actually. So, (laughs) So, because of that inherited nature we got from Adam, this flesh, we are always at war with it. And so when we get our new bodies, glory be to God, everything will now be in total line with God. Amen. And so we see that until that happens, this battle, okay, will still be ongoing. Now, look, let us break down the key parts of Hebrew, Hebrews 10, 26, right? So number one where it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, okay, so the Christian will learn to hate their sin, right? But in a fallen world ruled by the prince of darkness, while walking in this mortal tent of a body, we will sometimes fail to live perfectly. But... Big old but, but deliberate sin should not be possible for the one who loves God and has his spirit living in him or her. Amen. And then we got number two, where it says, because it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, After we have received the knowledge of the truth. So what does that part mean? Where it says after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Because hearing about the truth in this context means. After we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ along with its moral code. So that's what that means right there. That means that we got the memo and we heard the gospel preached to us that Jesus died for our sins. And that after three days, after being buried, after three days, he rose up out of the grave. And we see in scripture that God commands us to live a holy life and that we should repent. So when we hear all of that, that's what it means by after we have received the knowledge of the truth, because Jesus dying for our sins is the truth. Amen. And so in one sense, to hear alone is to be responsible for knowing it. Amen. Because once you hear the gospel, come on now, once you hear the real gospel, okay, the biblical gospel, not that prosperity gospel, not that new age gospel, none of that foolishness that how Jesus died so that we can be rich and never have the flu anymore. Absolutely not. So look, To hear it alone, okay, is to be responsible for knowing it, but it seems from the severity of the language that the author intends to especially warn those who claim at some point to believe, to believe the gospel and turn away from it by deliberate sinning. So that whole verse is a warning, okay? Because from verses 26 all the way down to verse 31, uh uh-huh, God ain't playing. Because at the end of it, it says that it is a terrible thing, okay, to fall into the hands of the living God. Like, you can't be trampling over what Jesus did. God already told us what it all took for him to get to the cross, the suffering, the beating, the the shaming of it all, 
Okay, the ripping out his beard, the mocking. I did the I did the podcast with a day or so ago about Jesus being mocked and what all took place at the cross. Jesus was up there dying, finna take his last breath, and you got the Roman soldiers down at his feet playing a dice game for his coat. Really? And then you got them Pharisees, the elders and the scribes walking back in front of him talking about, well, you said you was the son of God. Well, if God wants you, then let him rescue you. And then you got the people jeering him saying the same thing. Oh, he saved other people. What? He can't save himself? Yo, don't even get me started back on that again, okay? Because I would never get through today's lesson. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now look. So, right. To hear that alone, okay? You're responsible for the gospel. But it seems from the severity of this scripture here, okay, this is a warning. Because especially, especially to those who claim at some point to believe it, and then turn away from it by deliberate sin, okay? And then we have number three, where it says, no sacrifice for sins is left. Listen, Jesus was the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. He was the high priest who offered the lamb and his very own blood for our sins. He was the just and the justifier. His sacrifice was perfect. He was spotless and without sin so that he could bear our sins in his body. Listen, there will not be another sacrifice. And that is what that that point of the verse is talking about. Jesus already came. God already sent Jesus to be the final sacrifice because in the Old Testament, those were shadow types. All those animal sacrifices, all of that blood that was shedding, the high priest, that temple, all of that was a foreshadowing of when Jesus, the final sacrifice, the final atonement for sins, the final high priest. Once Jesus came on the scene, there was no more need for any sacrifice and there will be no other need for another sacrifice after him. And this is what the scripture is saying right here, that there's no sacrifice for sins left. If you're not in Christ, Okay, the one that could save you from God's wrath, that could atone for your sins, that who can reconcile you back to the Father. God and his love made a way to make the to make the relationship right again because we wasn't checking for God. We wasn't trying to repair the relationship. We still in sin. But God and his love for the world gave us Jesus. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God and his love gave Jesus his one and only begotten son that who shall ever believe in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Listen, Jesus did not come to this world to condemn it, but to save it. That is why he's the only one that can claim to be the savior of the world. Listen, Muhammad can't claim it. Buddha can't claim it. The Jehovah Witnesses can't claim it, the Mormons, the Catholics, that lying satanical pope over there in Rome cannot claim it. They can't claim to be God on this earth. They're not. No. God's representative on this earth is the Holy Spirit, Pope. Okay? 
Let's not, don't let me get into that topic. Amen. And so there is no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the God man, God, the son laid down his life as the final lamb to be slain. After him, there is no more sacrifices for sins. If you don't come out of your sins, that means you are still in them. And Jesus says that if you don't believe, if you don't believe who he said he is, you will die in your sins. And listen, he ain't playing with this. And that's the problem. There is no preaching and teaching on the fear of the Lord. You want to know why? Because the body of Christ, for the most part, have been lulled to sleep by the false church, by the apostate church, by these wolves and sheep clothing who are looking to build their empires off the backs of God's people through many ways, especially through the false doctrine of tithing and sowing seed. Any preacher that have you practicing any parts of the law, and that means trying to keep the Ten Commandments, tithing, and keeping the Sabbath, and any parts of the 613 laws of Moses are apostate. They have fallen from the true teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ because, right, Holy Spirit, Jesus told us in his word about giving. Listen, we know that the church needs money. We know that our local church has an upkeep. They have maintenance. They have expenses. And the pastor needs to get paid. We get it. But you don't have to twist the scriptures. You don't have to browbeat us with the law of Moses. You don't have to trick nor manipulate us to cough up the money. Listen, you preaching sound doctrine like Jesus told uh, uh, Paul to tell Timothy how to run the church. The money will flow just like we see it in the first century church. Listen, they gave everything they had and they pulled it together. And what was needed got met. Those needs got met. Why? Because as a community in Christ, being moved by the Holy Spirit in what to give, the money will flow. But, okay, if you are not sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach his word, oh, you coming with another gospel. Yep, you come in with the gospel of prosperity that Jesus died. Oh, uh, maybe a little bit for your sins, but not so much because the big story, (laughs) according to them, the big story is that Jesus died so you don't be broke anymore. And that how all God wants to do is bless you. Can't you see my big car and my what is it? $65 million dollar Lear jet. You too can have one of these. Just keep on tithing your 10% and stand in big faith. And just like us, God will bless you too. Absolutely not. That is not the gospel. And so they too busy teaching you and preaching to you how to get your best life ever rather than preaching the fear of the Lord because all they want to tell you is that God is love, 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 love and all he wants to do is bless your whole life. You and your kids, okay? Forget about that. We need to stop sinning because their primary focus, and I'm a witness because I sat up underneath them, so I know what I'm talking about. Listen, this is not slanderous. This is not gospel. Uh, uh, um, this is not gossiping. This is a true account of a woman who sat up under Creflo Dollar's 
prosperity, damnable gospel for years, okay, being indoctrinated with this garbage about the words we speak, how we believe Jesus for big faith for material things, because that's all that they preach to us, that how Jesus was rich and the fact that we are saved and in Christ, that we demand to be rich as well because our master, he's rich and we are gods just like him. <sighs> Bring it down a notch, girl, because it's foolishness. Just complete and utter foolishness. There was no teaching on repentance. And I'm trying real, <clears throat> excuse me, I am trying real hard, hard to call my memory if there was a teaching on repentance to the point where it pricked our hearts, where we, where we had such changed lives that we ain't even trying to sin anymore. Nope. Let me think. All the services I've been through, all the times I got on the bus from New Jersey all the way to New York just to hear this preacher tell me that Jesus is rich. Let me see. Did he tell it in that lesson? Nope. Did he tell me when he was saying that how I don't have to take my medicine anymore because then otherwise I'm not standing in faith? Nope. Repentance wasn't spoke about it then. Um, oh, could have been... The lesson that he says that how Jesus is rich, that when he rode into Jerusalem, that he was on a donkey that no one else has ever written before. And we can liken that to a new Mercedes that no one has ever driven. Could have been in that lesson? No, 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 because it wasn't taught. Amen. And so... What was I talking about? <laughs> Listen, in closing, I'm just going to wrap it up here because I can just go on and on and on. So now look, right? There is no more sacrifices for sin. There's not because his sacrifice, it was perfect. And he was the just and the justifier right? He was spotless and without sin so that he could bear our sins in his body. Like I said, there will be no more sacrifices ever again, because if we reject this one, there is left only our own accountability for our whole record of sin. And trust me, <laughs> you do not want to stand in judgment in front of God, the father and the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to justify how you were a carnal Christian, that you were a Christian, but you had sinners, what tendencies, you know how crazy that is going to sound. Yeah. Look, in closing, I believe, okay. The most important question a human being could ever ask of God is found in Acts 2.37, where it says, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Because Peter preached a sermon of a lifetime over there. Let's let's go over there real quick. Yeah, see, I was trying to end it, right? Look, what did I say? Acts 2, 37. Wait a minute, over here in Romans. Hold on. Acts 2, 37. Okay, here we go. Get back over here. This thing is all highlighted where it says, okay, here we go. Ah, where do I want to start? Okay, let's start at 29, and this is the close, okay? Acts chapter 2, verse, what I say, 29? Or do I want to, 
It's so good. It's like I want to read the whole chapter. You know what? Y'all going to get it. Y'all going to get from verse 14. And I'm going to read it with no commentary. I'm going to try with no commentary so you all can go. Listen, Acts 2 verse 14, where it says Peter preaches to the crowd. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk because the reason why he's saying that because the Holy Spirit came on them and then they started speaking in tongues, right? And so now he's addressing this because the people were like, oh, wait a minute. They are speaking in our native languages. And some were like, like, it's not even like noon or whatever. And they already drunk. And so Peter is like, uh-uh, these people ain't drunk. Look, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Yeah, it was not nine o'clock in the morning. These people thinking that those those uh, who were speaking in tongues were drunk. So look, verse 16. Now, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Amen. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. What is that? That's verse 20. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. Verse 24, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. Glory be to God, for death could not hold him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Amen. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Amen. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Amen. Verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried and his tomb is still here among us. Verse 30. But he was a prophet. And he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future. Hold on a second, people. Hold on. Hold on. My son is calling me. I'm going to have to pause right here. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, I am back. I apologize for that. I had to take that call. Okay, so we were in Acts 2, 
right? So let's go back up to verse 29 real quick, okay? Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us, but he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised within oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. Amen. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Verse 33, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand and the father as he had promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out among us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool under your feet. Amen. Verse 36, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Amen. Verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Amen. Glory be to God. So there we have it, people. There we have it. Either you're in the kingdom of God or you are not. Either you are in the kingdom of Satan and you are deceived to think that you can still be in your sins, slipping and sliding up and down and all around and call yourself a Christian. Absolutely not. Amen. Amen. All right, people. Until next time, Lord willing. Repent, stop sinning, and turn back to God. Amen. Amen. Until next time, I speak to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.